Uh, I'd like to publicly express my appreciation for your pastors, your elders here, Pastor Gray, who is on sabbatical, I've heard, and thank you all for allowing your pastors to get sabbaticals. Not all churches do that, um, and it's very needed for refreshing, for nourishment, for prayer, and just for rest. So thank you all for allowing him to do that. Um, thank Pastor Eric for allowing me to be here as well. And I am excited that I get to start off your sermon series in the book of Psalms. Uh, as he said, over the next seven weeks, you guys are going to be in that. And I get to set the tone, as he has said. So hopefully that tone will be set after this day. And you guys will be diving in deep to the book of Psalms. Before I get started, happy Father's Day. Um, I do want to say that um, Father's Day for many people uh, is mixed feelings. Some people's father are here and they're great and they are an amazing example of God's love for his children. But some of us also have fathers that maybe wasn't there or maybe they have passed away or whatever the case is. So Father's Day can be a mixed feeling for many different people. So if you are, no matter what category you're in, I just want to say that the Lord sees you, the Lord hears you, and he can comfort you. Um, and to those that have great experiences, happy Father's Day. And to the fathers that are here, uh, we want to honor you this morning. With that said, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're going to be in Psalm 122. Psalm 122. Um, I'm going to be coming from the ESV version of the Bible, the elect standard version. Um, while you're turning there, uh, just a couple th good things about uh, the book of Psalms. First and foremost is what we would call the book of, of, of praise. It is the longest book in the Bible. And I'm going to be specifically looking at what is called the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent. This is uh, 15 short psalms that the people of God sung on their way up to Jerusalem to worship. So in a lot of ways, this was the, 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 the playlist, the, the Spotify Apple Music playlist for the people of God, these 15 songs as they would go up to Jerusalem to worship. They call it the Psalms of, uh, the, the, the Psalms of Ascent because it gives the notion that they were leading upwards towards the holy city. So ascending to Jerusalem to be in community with one another. When I say ascending upward, keep in mind that I'm talking about almost 2,700 feet of elevation. So when I say upward, this is what it, 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 it was. The Psalms of Ascent are from Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134, and we are going to camp out at Psalm 122. I think a very fitting and relevant and timely psalm for us this morning. The people of God did this so that they could be home in the presence of God for one of the major festivals that the Jewish people celebrated annually. So what I'd like to do, New Valley downtown, 
is let me pray since our Bible passage has already been read. Let me pray, ask for the Lord's help, and then we're going to go ahead and dive into this wonderful, wonderful word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you needing your help, needing your grace. We thank you for bringing us here this morning. We're thankful that we get to worship you, that we get to gather, that we get to be in community with one another, but also to be in your presence. As I always ask, Lord, please, please hide me behind the cross. Hide me behind the cross means hide me behind the cross in such a way that your people can see and hear Jesus clearly. If I get in the way, please kindly move me out of the way so that your people can see Jesus. As I always say, Lord, we want to glorify you. We want to edify your church. And yes, we do want to advance your kingdom. And all these things we ask and pray in, in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. I like to label my message this morning, there is no place like home. There is no place like home. In July of 2014, Scott Skoskolia, who was a reporter, wrote an article in the New York Times. And he wrote this article about a very, a very influential man by the name of LeBron James. Many of you may have heard of him. Some of you may not. But some people actually believe that he is the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, I happen to be of a completely different opinion because there was this guy by the name of Michael Jordan, MJ. Air Jordan, you know him, the guy who won six championships. He didn't, he was undefeated in those championships as well, so he's 6-0. Finals MVP, countless league MVPs, countless all-star MVPs, and he even has his own shoe collection. I'm laying my cards out on the table. I think Jordan is the greatest player of all time, but some people do believe that LeBron James is. And for those people, we pray for them. <laughs> but no doubt, LeBron James is indeed one of the greats for sure. It's interesting because in this article, Scott details the decision that James made by leaving his home state to go and take his talents down to South Beach. And he wanted to play with the Miami Heat. This decision was televised for millions and million people to, to, to witness and to see. It left some people extremely disappointed, extremely mad, to the point that some of them burnt his jersey, he had death threats. I mean, for some people, this was very, uh, for James, it was very unpleasant circumstances. But four years later, he decided to reverse the decision 
and depart from Miami to go back to his home state, Ohio, where he was born and raised. So headlines, newspaper articles, songs, commercials, and all other media outlets blasted the news that LeBron James is returning home. We all know how the story ended, right? In 2016, he won a championship for the city of Cleveland and was no longer the villain. Instead, he was the hero. But the point is, he returned home. I submit to you that King James, as they call him, he understood the idea that there is no place like home. I bring that up because our passage this morning is written by King David. And in a nutshell, basically, David is saying, he's revealing that home is being in the presence of God and with his people to worship. That's my main point, my main idea from this text. Home is being in the presence of God and with his people in order to worship. So in verse 1 of Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The literal reading in the original language says this, I was glad in those who said to me. Reading these Psalms chronologically, um, if you've read Psalm 120, which starts off this category of Psalms of Ascent, it talks about being too long away from God. It talks about being far off, being distant from God. But in Psalm 122, it talks about this idea of this desire and passion and love to be in the midst of the people of God. David was delighted in his, spirit, in his spirit when it comes to being in the Lord's house. Some of you here may be asking, well, who is David? David is that individual in the Bible who was a, was a shepherd boy. He also was a, a, a preacher. I mean, he had a lot of different things. He was a musician. He wrote different psalms, different scriptures that we read in the Bible. But King David also has a crazy history as well. It's not always as, as, as pleasant. He committed grave sin and grave um, sins against God, but also against others. The history of David is not all squeaky clean, but he is an individual that the Lord had, has used mightily throughout history. As I said before, he is a he was a musician. He composed different things. In fact, in the category of the Psalms of Ascent, he actually wrote at least four of them that we know of. The one this morning, Psalm 122, but also Psalm 124, Psalm 131, and Psalm 133. He says he's glad <laughs> to be and to go into the house of the Lord. If we understand this contextually, if we broaden it out a little bit, I would also say that in some ways, there was this thing called the global pandemic of last year. 
COVID-19, as has been said. And for many of us, many of us, that situation had us feel very distant, very far off, very unconnected to some degree. I mean, COVID-19 messed up a bunch of stuff, right? I know it messed up a lot of my traveling plans. I was supposed to go to Rome. I was supposed to go to Uganda. I was supposed to go to Costa Rica. I was supposed to go to all these different places, and then COVID-19 happened, and I didn't go. But not only trips that COVID-19 messed up, but it also messed up some people's health. And I'm sure from family members of, that you know that may have experienced COVID-19, friends or family that may have, you know, passed away, sadly, from COVID-19. But COVID-19 also, in some ways, messed up church, right? When I say church, I'm not talking about the people of God church. I'm talking about, like, in terms of the building and how we would normally kind of come into worship. It changed that. People are doing live stream now for a period of time. I know some churches were kind of shut down for a, a little period of time. It had us all feel, to some degree, distant, far off, away and unconnected. I wonder, and I want to ask the question, do we have the same joy, the same gladness that David has when he writes, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because by God's grace, now many churches are gathering. (laughs) They are in person, whether it's with mask or, or not mask or whatever the case is. But it is a joyful, it should be a joyful internal happiness, internal gladness to be in the presence of God and with his people in order to worship. This is something that we should not take lightly. What makes you glad? What makes you joyful? And I'm not just talking like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of joyful. I'm talking about the joyful that really, really to the depths of your heart, you are glad. Maybe it's a couple, an engaged couple that's about to get married. And they are waiting for that wedding day. I mean, they're really waiting for that wedding day. (laughs) In fact, they're like ready for the preacher to say that you're married, go ahead, and they don't even want to care about the reception. They just want to go and, yeah. They're internally happy, right? Or maybe it's if you are really, really waiting for that vacation. You know what I'm talking about? where you are counting down the days on the calendar when it's time for you to go to wherever you want to go. A couple years ago, my wife and I, we had the privilege of actually going to Madrid, Spain. And if you haven't been, it's an amazing place to go. Um, A lot of history there, a lot of good food, if you are a foodie like we are. And 
I remember as two weeks came down and I was just like, I cannot wait to go to Madrid, Spain. Counting down, marking off the days. I had this internal joy, this internal happiness that I could not wait. Do you have that same type of happiness, that joyfulness, when it comes to being in the presence of God and with his people to worship? Because home, (laughs) for the believer, home is being in the presence of God with his people so that we can worship. One author says it this way, he looks forward to visiting this place, talking about David. It's the object of his desire. He anticipates being there. It's also the object of his delight. He enjoys being there. He dreams about it. He sings about it. And obviously, he writes poetry about it. Do we have this internal joy when it comes to worshiping God and and with his people? When a text says, house of the Lord, what does it mean by that? He's referring to the tent that he erected in Jerusalem to house the Ark of the Covenant. What is the house? What is the Ark of the Covenant? It is a gold wooden chest that contained the ten words, uh, the Decalogue. It contained the, the ten commandments that God gave to Moses. And this tent represents, it it symbolizes, it, it, it reflects God's dwelling place. The dwelling place of God among his people. This was the place of comfort. This was the place of of, of hope. This was the place of of love. This was the place of, of holiness. This was the place of harmony. This was the place where God dwelt. This was home. This was home. David is filled with this intrinsic gladness, not only because God's people are there, but because the living God is there. Yahweh is there. The creator of heaven and earth is there, is present with them. He is there in the house of the Lord. That should evoke a, 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 a posture of worship in our bodies. We were created to worship, and an opportunity to do that is when we get to meet here on Sunday in the context of community in the context of family. Because we are, if you are, place your faith and trust in Jesus, then you have been adopted into the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we get to come to <laughs> the family house and worship our Heavenly Father together. Amen? But for what purpose? Why travel to meet at this place? 
that they're going to. And again, they're going up to Jerusalem. Well, in verse 3 and 4, it says, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up. The tribes of Yahweh, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of Yahweh. One of the aspects of them going up to, to, to be home in the presence of God is to be grateful, to be thankful for what the God has done in the past, what God has done, is doing in the, in, in, in the present, and what God will do in the future. To be thankful the New Living Translation version, the NLT, translated this way. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. This was some sort of an annual pilgrimage that they would actually do with these different types of festivals. The religious journey or spiritual expedition was for the annual festivals. In Jewish culture, for those that may not be familiar with this, attending the feast was part of the norm for the Jews. It was part of their rhythm of life. It was part of their way of life. It was part of the blessed rhythms that they would actually do. And they did it for many different reasons. But part of that is to evoke all of our senses <laughs> to be in awe and to, to, to worship with, with, with God. So yes, they would actually go up. They would, do, they would eat food, they would fellowship, they would celebrate, they would laugh, they would do a bunch of, th there would be teaching that was involved, all those types of things, and it was a rhythm of life that they would do. One of the festivals, one of the, the, the feasts is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which would be considered Passover, right? You can read this in Exodus 12. This is where they celebrate and remember how God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And they were forbidden to eat or possess any leavened bread. This was one of them that they would celebrate and remember and reflect on. Again, Exodus 12 is a good place for that. Another feast that they would do is the Feast of Weeks. This is Pentecost. This is where, this is, was to remember how God gave the Torah, the law, the, the instruction, how God gave the instruction on Mount Sinai. Mosaic Covenant. This was the Feast of, of, of Weeks. Another one was the Festival of Booths. This is where they praise and thank God for his generosity. This is where they praise God for who he was, who he is, his character, and how he is generous in so many different ways. These festivals, in, in a sense, was rituals. They were practices. But again, they were, were done so that they can remember God, so that they can praise him for who he is. I think for a lot of us, we, may, we suffer from spiritual amnesia. I think we may tend to forget of the goodness of God in our lives. We tend to forget how God has showed up in our lives in so many different ways. A healthy practice is for us to remember the goodness of God. Psalm 119.68, our God is good and he does good. 
when we're struggling with something, through trials and tribulations, through a lost job, through a lost one, whatever situation that you may be facing or entering in, my encouragement is to remember and don't forget God. Don't have the case of a spiritual amnesia. Remember, remember, remember. Remembering is a, is a spiritual practice. It really is a spiritual discipline. When you think about us actually taking communion, what are we doing? We are remembering what God has done. Part of the Christian life is about remembering. And remembering and not forgetting, right? That is an essential part of our story, where we get to reflect and remember different things. Yesterday was Juneteenth. A very um, interesting thing to remember in our history as a country. For those that don't know, Juneteenth was the, the, the day where many different slaves in Galveston, Texas, was really let free. Two and a half years before that, Honest Abe, as they call him, Abraham Lincoln, Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves. But for some reason, that news didn't carry down to Galveston, Texas. So there was a, uh, a general officer of some sort that came and brought good news to those slaves during that time. He brought good news of, of, of freedom and liberation that you can go free, that you can't continue to keep doing this heinous act. Juneteenth was this year labeled as a national holiday. Holidays have this marker of us to do what? To remember. Not only to remember, but to reflect. And not only to reflect, but also to celebrate. Right? And it doesn't matter whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Hispanic. One of the things that we all can celebrate is freedom. We can celebrate freedom. We can remember heinous stuff that was done, but we also can remember and reflect and celebrate the way that God has worked miraculously uh, in this country in, in so many different ways. Remembering is a part of life. So again, when we think about these different festivals and these different things, the Christian life is about remembering. The Jewish people celebrated this and they, it helped them to remember and they had this opportunity to be able to experience and praise God for his goodness. So if you are here this morning and let's just say that you are on a spiritual journey. You have a lot of stuff going on. Maybe at one point you were in church. Maybe you grew up in the church. But 
something happened as you maybe started hanging out with the wrong crowd, the wrong people that kind of strayed you away to some degree. Let's say that you are here and you don't trust God because you had a bad relationship with your, with your father and you correlate that to uh, that's how God must be. If God, if God is the father, then maybe he may be like my father who is not a good man. That's just say that you're here and you're struggling and no, ma- and no matter what it may be. I want to encourage you that <laughs> for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That God gave his only begotten son for anyone who would repent and believe and trust in him wholeheartedly. I know you may have trust issues, but Jesus is trustworthy. He is without sin. He is perfect. He lived a life that me and you cannot live. And he suffered and died on the cross as a substitute for anyone that places their faith and trust in Jesus. Genuine faith from the heart. Not because your parents drug you here. Or not because you think that church is just good morally. But true heart conversion. True heart change that gives you this freedom to be able to listen and obey Christ. Not that you're perfect, Because the Bible does say that we all stumble in many ways. We all can get entangled into sin, according to Hebrews. In Romans 3.23, we all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Nobody is, is perfect here. But by God's grace, we can be faithful. And when we do sin, we can confess our sins. Because he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us, to make us white as snow. And on that day... (laughs) of restoration, anyone who places their faith in Christ and in Christ alone (laughs) God sees Jesus in you. Your sins will be washed away. He will remember your sin no more. The hope of the gospel is the good news of salvation that you can be right with God. You can't be right with God by your own doing, by your own works, by your own merit. You cannot strive to earn God's love. It is a free gift, (laughs) a free gift of salvation. So if you have strayed away in any type of way, my encouragement for you is to come back home because home is being in the presence of God with his people to worship. The family door is always open to come back into the community of faith, of brothers and sisters in Christ. Through faith and repentance, you can be back in the family of God. You can be back in the household of God. Isn't that beautiful? 
Isn't that amazing? The fact that through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, you can also be resurrected as well. So that's my encouragement for anyone that is struggling is to repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. But David continues on here in verses 6 through 9. He gives what I like to call a peaceful prayer. A peaceful prayer. The word peace is penned three times in this section by the psalmist. Peace is the term that refers to complete wholeness, to uh, a, a, a complete safeness, a satisfaction, uh, a, a blessing of some sort. It is the word that we would call shalom. And it's repeated throughout the Bible in several key passage, passages. One in particular is at the end of Psalm 120. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Peace is the, the code word for well-being from a holistic perspective. It's the code word for well-being from a holistic perspective. Perspective. Now, as David prays for Jerusalem, that holy city, which is the religious and political center and also means the city of peace. That's what Jerusalem means. So in a lot of ways, he's praying that it lives up to its name. We understand that names have meaning in the Bible. And he's praying that it would basically live up to its name. Now, if you notice the parallels in the number three is mentioned, the word peace is also mentioned three times, but also the word within is mentioned three times in this section. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. I will say, peace be within you. That is, there is an internal peace between the people of God. And Jesus the Messiah is the only one that can give true peace. Amen? He's the only one that can give true peace. True shalom. In the church, or in church culture, we can probably say there's a lot of uh, divisions going on right now, a lot of tensions. Um, I read an article and it talks about there's somewhat of a quote-unquote fracturing of evangelicalism. And no matter where you fall in on that, on that, on that spectrum, what I want to say is, Jesus is the true peace that will be able to make us right. Any tension, any division, whether it's with brothers and sisters in Christ at this church or outside of this church, if there's tension or division between family members, between friends, Jesus is the true peace that will be able to help us with that. So let's say that you are in a weird situation with somebody and you need help. My encouragement is to, to pray. Pray for peace. Pray for peace for the Lord to be able to fix whatever situation you may be in. Isaiah 9, 6, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Jesus Christ is the true peace that we all need. Jesus Christ is our Jerusalem. So let this be our prayer as well. And the reason is for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God. So as I come to a close, I want to offer two practical postures I want us to take. Just two as we leave out. And as you go home with your families, you go out for lunch or whatever that you do during this Father's Day. Two things from this passage that I think will hopefully give us the posture, practically speaking. The first one is embrace community, not individualism. Embrace community, not individualism. The reason why I say that is because if you notice here in our passage, David is glad when he actually goes to the house of the Lord. If you notice the pronouns there, he says, I was glad, and then he says, let us go. (laughs) I and us. There is a community. There is a, 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 a healthy community that we can embrace and not individualism, not going into our own comfort zones, if you will. We need each other. We need to be a part of the family of God. We need to not only love one another, not only care for one another, but we also, yes, need to pray with one another. We need to fellowship with one another. We need to confess sin to one another. There's a bunch of different one another's in the New Testament, and you can't do that alone. I know COVID-19 may have tricked us to think that we can, but we can't. We need each other. We need to be in community. Embrace community, not individualism. And be like David and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to New Valley Church. Right? Let's embrace community and not individualism. And the second thing is practical posture. And this is simple, but I think we can easily overlook this. And it's simply this. Just be prayerful. Be prayerful. I don't know what each, and every, each of you's uh, prayer life is like. If I had to envision in a room this big, I'm sure some people are some prayer warriors. They're really good. You know, you always got that person that's like, I'm going to ask them to pray for me because I know that they actually are going to pray because they have a healthy prayer life. And there's some people that say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. And you're like, you're not going to pray for me. I know you're not going to pray for me, but it's just a cool thing to say, right? We have those friends. Don't act like I'm alone in that. (laughs) But I want to encourage you to be prayerful, um, specifically for peace, prayerful for peace, peace in the city, peace in this country, peace in this nation, peace in the world, peace in the church, peace in your families, peace in peace. Be prayerful in, be prayerful in praying for, for peace. Prayer is humble communication with God. Some of us are really good at it. Some of us are okay at it. Some of us are really terrible at it. My encouragement is, wherever you're at, if it's for a little bit of time, 
or a lot of bit of time, try to be prayerful in your walk with Jesus, okay? Not legalistically, but we should be prayerful in the ways that the Lord wants us to be. So, as David says, he was glad. Let us be glad as well in the church and beyond. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we, we come before you thanking you, needing you to help us be able to be glad. There are many different people that are struggling with, I'm sure, with many different things, Lord. You're omniscient. That means you're all-knowing. So you know. You know all the people here. You know what their vices is, Lord. You know what they need improvement in. But you also know where they're amazing in as well. So I pray for anybody here that wants a closer relationship to God, to be devoted to Jesus, to trust in him. Maybe it's for the first time, or maybe it's for um, a lifetime. I pray for us to be able to understand what true peace is, but also where's our home. And our home is being with you, Lord, with your people, worshiping you, crying out to you, lamenting to you, praising you, thanking you for all that you have done in our lives. So we thank you, God. We give you the praise and all of the glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.